Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. We are systematically working our way through these psalms. They are put in the order that we find them because of very, very calculated, reasoned, and very, very sovereignly chosen ways because uh, the Lord, through the men who captured these psalms, uh, had uh, very, very acute ideas of why and how these psalms were to be structured and how they were to be categorized and how they were to be placed in the Psalter. And we find in Psalm 37 another, like Psalm 36 that we studied last time, that would be a psalm that would be likened unto Psalm 1, because it has the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And Psalm 36, as we studied it last time, is in fact one of those psalms, like Psalm 1, and I, I compared Psalm 1 and Psalm 36, and Psalm 37 uh, flows right on the heels of Psalm 36 in terms of this contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And yet Psalm 37 is very, very different. Psalm 37 is like uh, one of the chapters in our Bibles from the biblical chapters on Proverbs. If you've noticed that, if you've read Psalm 37, if there ever was a psalm in Israel's Psalter that read so very much like the biblical book of Proverbs, it certainly would be Psalm 37. So let's listen to the Word of God from Psalm 37 as the setting for our evening of prayer. Of David, verse 1 says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. 
Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever." The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. The transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. When you look at the wicked world that we live in, a world that appears to be getting worse and worse, as Scripture says. Are you tempted like I am to become worried and and frustrated? Are you sometimes asking yourself, where is God in all of this? You hear about shootings on high school campuses or college campuses, or you pan over the world news events and you find out about destruction and explosions and murders and wars, and all of these things cause us to often ask that question, where is God in all of this? Why doesn't He do something about all the violence and the hatred in the world? All of the wickedness and evil around the globe, He seems not to be aware of it. How bad things 
really are. Or at the least, he seems to be turning a blind eye to all the evildoers who wreak havoc upon those who are innocent and helpless. Why are the people of God, especially those those who are attempting to live rightly, being victimized? Why? Why is it that there are those who hate God and His ways and they take it out on God's people? Evil appears triumphant across the globe, while the ruthless appear to be unaccountable for all their atrocities. Here's the heart cry of so many today. Lord God, why don't you do something to these who are seeking to destroy your people? And that's really what the psalmists are often saying. Where are you? How long, O Lord? When shall you avenge your people? Why don't you do something to these who are clamoring to cut your people off and to do violence to them. What are we as your righteous people supposed to do about all that we see and experience at the hands of wicked men? Well, I think that's why Psalm 37 is in our Bibles. Because it speaks definitively to these things. It is the very questions, the very frustrations, the hurts, and the vexations that Psalm 37 is teaching us to reconcile with a holy God, with a God who will vanquish His every foe. And if you want to hear God's answer to these incredibly difficult questions and more, you would have been listening very, very carefully and precisely as I was reading Psalm 37. Because it is precisely here where we find the answer to those questions. Now look, rather than going through our regular pattern of these 40 verses in a verse-by-verse fashion, which would be a long time, right? I want instead to bundle them all up into simple but certain specific categories, which I think, as we read them together, will remind us over and over and over again in this psalm that God is not deaf to the plight of the people of God, nor is He turning His eye away from those who are evil and who do evil constantly. And least in this psalm is God said to be failing to give believing people hope and wicked people their due as the ultimate outcome of their lives. No, God is not asleep. God is not turning His eye away from those who are in great need. God is is a wonderful, holy, righteous God who rewards the righteous and He punishes the wicked. This is what this psalm is all about. For instance, let's look at the first of three categories tonight in Psalm 37 that I want us to sort of bundle up. And if you're like me, there are countless questions that people are asking. Even non-Christians are asking the idea, why is there so much wickedness in the world? Why so much evil? Where is God? Does He exist? If He does, why isn't He vanquishing 
his foes? Why isn't he dealing with all of these atrocities of the world? And Psalm 37 gives us the very answers to those questions. Number one, number one, one of three. God, according to Psalm 37, God will certainly and ultimately judge the wicked for their evil deeds. You can just put that as a principle in your Bible. God will certainly judge and He will ultimately judge the wicked for their evil deeds. Make no mistake about it. God hears and He sees every day and He sees every hour and He sees every moment with what the wicked are doing and He will deal with them in His sovereign time frame and in His perfect way. I want you to listen again as we go through these 15 verses in this psalm that give you that principle. 15 verses that give you this principle that God will certainly and ultimately judge the wicked for their evil deeds. If you were reading carefully, you read something like this in verse 2. For they, verse 2, evildoers, wrongdoers, will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Now that's a statement right out of the Word of God that says this is the destiny of the wicked. They'll soon fade like grass. And I know you're like me. You're saying it can't be soon enough, right? Because we see this wickedness of our world and we ask the question, why, Lord, does any of this happen at all? And his answer is they'll soon fade like the grass. They're going to wither like the green herb. Look at the first part of verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off. What I would suggest you do as we go through this first point is to highlight or to mark with your pen in your Bible. It's okay. Mark your Bible all up. And when you do, write out or star these particular verses. I read verse 2, first part of verse 9, evildoers shall be cut off. And take that point blank as the reality of what God is and will be doing in our world. There's not one statement in the entire Word of God that God Himself declares that will not come to pass. And what does He say? Evildoers, wrongdoers, they'll fade like grass, they'll wither like the green herb. Evildoers shall be cut off. Look at verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Now I know we want it done yesterday. And in our time frame and with regard to our preferences, we want all wickedness dealt with immediately, forthwith, so that we never have to deal with it again. But do you know that God has purposes for the allowing of wickedness in the world so that ultimately it could be vanquished? Verse 12, in fact, Verses 12 all the way to verse 15. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. Now how can the Lord allow it to continue to exist? It is because the Bible teaches us here that he is waiting to give them the ultimate judgment on the ultimate wickedness that they're doing. Now you might not want to do it that way. But God says, 
that though the wicked are plotting against us, though they're gnashing their teeth at us, the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his, that is the wicked man's day, is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. And that's a statement of power from God's Word. And it's a promise from God's Word. All evil deeds will be dealt with. You can bank on it. You can believe it. You can know that there is not a random act of violence, not one, that God doesn't know about and that He's orchestrating a punishment. Now, when we read something like Psalm 37 or other passages, and then when we ask the question, How long, O Lord? Here's our answer. Here it is. Look at verse 17. For the arms of the wicked shall be what? Broken. Broken. God will render them unable to do their evil deeds. You say, when? Whenever He designs. Verse 20. The wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. Here's another. Verses 21 and the first part of verse 22. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. Those cursed by him shall be cut off. It's a guilt-edge guarantee. If you believe that God keeps His Word, if you believe that He's a God who can be trusted, then you can believe, you can see the promise here that the wicked will be dealt with. Look at the very last portion of verse 28. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Verse 32. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. Yes, we know that. We see that. Verse 34. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. We're actually going to see at some junctures of time the wicked being dealt with. Verses 35 and 36. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. Can't you see in your mind's eye the idea that he seems to be prospering? He seems to be this large, luxuriant tree. He seems to be doing anything he wants without any consequences whatsoever. And then this psalm says, But he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. And you know that means that for every wicked person on the planet, though he may have his day in the sun, though it seems to our naked eyes and ears that he shall not be dealt with, the Bible says he passed away. And behold, he was no more. I saw him and he could not be found. He's going to be dealt with. God has promised such a thing. Look at verse 38. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. How many times in this psalm has it said cut off, cut off, cut off? Now I know it's, it's hard to grasp because it seems like evil is overcoming good. 
in our time. But it isn't true. And based upon these 15 verses in Psalm 37, is there any doubt about what God thinks of evildoers and what He'll do with them? There's no doubt. Don't assume that He's sitting on His throne wringing His hands because He doesn't have a plan and He doesn't know what to do with those who are hurting the righteous. God knows exactly what's going on. He sees everything. And He certainly sees what the wicked are doing and He's meeting out the punishment on them either by what they will see and experience as their consequences now or even if they don't experience it in this life, what they will experience in eternity future. The judgment is coming upon them. And Psalm 37 is in our Bibles like so many other passages that say, you mark it right now, they shall be recompensed. God will certainly and ultimately judge the wicked for all that they're doing. And you ought to take these verses and you ought to pray through them and you ought to see that these are imprecation prayers, right? This is a song. This is a song we're supposed to sing. Bless the Lord that the wicked shall be cut off. Amen. These these are principles from God's Word, statements that will come to pass. And for every injustice that's done to somebody in our world, God marks it down and He deals with it in His time and in His way. Right? We can bank on that. Number two. Number two. God has promised to reward and bless the righteous both now and in eternity. I mean, you'd want me to say that, right? I mean, if we just talked about the wicked and what God is going to do to them, that He will certainly and ultimately judge the wicked. And if He does it now, He shall do it. If He does it in eternity, He shall do it. And conversely, God has promised to reward and bless the righteous both now and in eternity. If you look at all of these passages that I just read to you, all 15 or so of them about the wicked, then the concomitant passages in their contrast in Psalm 37 have these statements about the righteous. Verse 6, verse 6, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He'll bring it into the light of the day. He'll make sure that the righteous are blessed. He'll make sure of it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. He will do it. In fact, maybe what you should do in Psalm 37 is that every reference to somebody who's wicked, and when they get their comeuppance, you'll write W in the column right next to that verse, and then you'll write R for righteous in the column next to the verse that's talking about the righteous. And the first one you'll see there in verse 6, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You might even put there, we win. God will bless. God has promised. Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. You say, well, that's certainly not happening today, certainly not in Jerusalem, certainly not in Israel. All they can do over there is fight, fight with each other. 
You look at the Dome of the Rock and there's three major religions all sort of uh, fighting with each other. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, uh, they're all going back and forth with their words and sometimes their actions. How can this be true? Is this really going to happen? But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. It says it. It says it. And you know, do you know who else said this very thing, chose this very line in this very psalm? The Lord Jesus Christ Himself in the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know when God says He promises to give the earth, to give the land to His people, that that's never been abrogated? It shall not be denied. You say, when? There's been some thousands of years already. When, when, when? Not on your time frame. Not on mine. On His. But it is going to happen. And by the way, several times in this psalm, that language is used about the land. They will get the land. They will inherit the land. They shall receive the land. The land's very important to God. Should be. He created it. And he gets to say who receives it. Look at verse 17. The Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord upholds the righteous. Verses 18 and 19. The Lord knows the days of the blameless. Every single day is marked in his book. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain how long? Forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. Do you remember all of the intricate detail in the life of Joseph when he told Pharaoh about years of famine and years of abundance? And do you remember all the instructions that Joseph gave so that if, in fact, they did everything he said, which was actually what God was revealing to him, that they would have an abundance even in a time of famine. You remember that? There are several examples of God teaching His people, asking His people, commanding His people even to trust Him because they would be in abundance. Just do what I say. Just respond to me. Just live righteously before me and you will remain forever. You will have your heritage. You will not be put to shame in evil times. In famine, you will have an abundance. And He says it here. And look at verses 23 and following. I mean, really, the whole section, verses 23, all the way to verse 34, this is a series of statements that are promises from God through His Word to reward and bless the righteous, both now and in eternity. Listen to verses 23 to 34. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. The very steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Every one of them. Though he fall, he shall not be caught cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Listen to what David said. I have been young and now I'm old, Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He, the righteous man, is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Do you remember what was said about the wicked? 
that even their children are going to be dealt with? Well, the children of the righteous are going to be dealt with, and how shall they be dealt with? His children will become a blessing. Verse 27, turn away from evil and do good, so you shall dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, verse 28. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. And I know, I know someone's going to say, but what about those countless Israelites? And what about others who were following the Lord? I know of so-and-so, and they weren't dealt with in this way. Well, remember what we might call corporate solidarity. Corporate solidarity. We're talking about the totality of the people of God. And generally speaking, this is like a proverb, generally speaking, even though it may have happened that someone who was righteous was tortured. Someone who was righteous was dealt with very bitterly by someone who's wicked. But guess what? In the totality of the plan and purpose of God, in the corporate solidarity of all the righteous persons in that group, the proverb says, God will take care of them. God will take care of them. And of the corporate solidarity of all the wicked... Some of them seem to prosper. Some of them seem to do whatever they want. And then they die. And so they think that's all there is. And they got all out of life what they thought they could get. And they ruined people. And they wrecked people's lives. And they killed people. And they stole from people. And they took from the poor and the needy. And they believed that they got all the gusto out of life that they could get. But they didn't bank on the idea that there's a life after this life. This is what he's saying. Look at verse 29. The righteous shall, and here it is again, inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. You say, wait a minute, there are people who died. I mean, they're righteous people and they died. They didn't inherit the land forever. This is corporate solidarity. Their posterity will, even if they didn't. Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him, that is the the righteous man, to the power of this wicked man or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord, verse 34 says, and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. There it is again. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Look, every one of these verses tell us in no uncertain terms this general truth of Psalm 37. The wicked will be dealt with and the righteous will be blessed. That's the whole of this psalm. That's that's something that you can take in your prayer life back to the Lord and say, Lord, praise you that you honor righteousness and that you judge wickedness. This is Psalm 37. Look at verse 37 of Psalm 37. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. Don't for one second, beloved people, believe or think that the Lord is slow about His promises or that He doesn't know what He's doing or doesn't quite know how to do it He knows the way of the righteous, like Psalm 1 says, and He knows the way of the wicked, 
and he will do in his time and according to his way what is right and what is best. Will there be those who are righteous that taste a martyr's death in this life? Yes, some will. But in that sense of corporate solidarity, the whole of the people of God will be rewarded. And especially those martyrs, they'll be rewarded instantly in heaven. Will there be those among the wicked who will be seemingly unpunished in this life? Yes, yes. But their judgment day is coming. They will be judged. And will the righteous have, generally speaking, the kind of life here on this earth where God blesses and rewards? Yes, generally so. Generally so. And even if it isn't true for a few, it will be true in eternity for all. You can mark it down. And will the wicked, many if not most of them, be judged in this life with the sword of God's justice? Yes. Most of them will. That's why Romans 13 is in our Bibles. God will deal through the government those evildoers with God's punishment. Just think of what our world would be like if we didn't have the justice of God working through those who need to be curbed in their violence and injustice. And with all these contrasts between the wicked and the righteous, What's the ultimate answer? How should I respond? What do I do? You say, well, you've mentioned prayer. Yes, prayer. But you know, there's something even beyond prayer, as important as prayer is. And it is this, my obedience. My obedience. And did you see some of those powerful commands and also very careful prohibitions in Psalm 37? This is the third and final point tonight. Number three, the righteous are commanded to obey the Lord and stay away from evil. The righteous are commanded to obey the Lord and to stay away from evil. Listen carefully to the various commands in this psalm, Psalm 37, so that you may be careful to do all that He's commanded you both positively, the imperatives, and negatively, the prohibitions. Verse 1, does it not just jump out at you? Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Fret not. I dare say there are many believing people, scads of Christian people who are fretting about what's happening in our world. Isn't it true? I'll talk to them. They come to me for counsel. What's the Lord doing? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't He dealing with so-and-so? And look at what's happening. And the world's getting worse and worse and worse. Yes, it is. And fret not, the Bible says. In fact, three times in this psalm, it says fret not. That's why I titled this study of Psalm 37 tonight, From Fretfulness to Faithfulness. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. You say, how can I be envious of wrongdoers? Well, when you see them continually getting away with their wrongdoings, you're tempted to say, maybe that's the road. Maybe that's the answer. They don't seem to be judged. They don't seem to be dealt with. No. David says, fret not 
Don't, don't be angry. Don't be uneasy. Don't be one of those who wants to take violence upon himself to be a self-appointed vigilante who will go against because he doesn't see what God is doing and so he goes against those who are the wicked and he takes all of the consequences, or so he thinks, into his own hands. And that's why Romans 12 says, do not do that. Let the Lord who is the judge deal with those who need to be judged. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Here's another command, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. Dwell in the land. And I like this translation from the ESV. Befriend faithfulness. Uh, You might have in your translation, uh, cultivate faithfulness. Uh, It's the idea of uh, pitching your tent in a certain area and being righteous. That's what you do. That's what you do. When you don't know what God's plan is, when you don't know how He's going to deal with the wicked, when you're unsure about when He will deal with the wicked, here's the answer. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do your righteousness. Dwell in the land, pitch your tent, and cultivate faithfulness. That's what we're commanded to do. Look at verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That might have been a memory verse for some of you. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I've heard people say, well, the Lord, it says, is going to give me my desires. Yes, but don't leave out the part of delighting in the Lord. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. If you commit yourself to Him, His principles, His character, His timeline, His providence, His sovereignty over the entire universe, if you commit your way to Him, if you trust in Him, He will act. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And you know in the context of Psalm 37 exactly what is meant by be still before the Lord. Don't jump out ahead of Him. Don't take matters into your own hand. Don't assume you know when the right time is for vengeance to come upon the wicked. Let the Lord do what the Lord does. In His time and through His way. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. And here's another prohibition. Fret not yourself. Third time. Over the one who prospers in his way. This is verse 7. Over the man who carries out evil desires. Fret not. Maybe that's not the best translation. Maybe it's something like this. Don't be angry. And don't be angry at the Lord himself when he's not doing what you believe seemingly he ought to be doing when you believe he ought to be doing it. Wait patiently for him. He's the Lord. We're not. Verse 8. Here it is. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. 
And then just like you've heard from the book of Proverbs, verse 27, turn away from evil and do good. Isn't that what we tell our children? Turn away from evil, little one, and do good. That's what the father says to his children. Turn away from evil and do good. And then verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way. Wait for the Lord. So what do you do with Psalm 37? Well, you just read it over and over and over and over again, and you find out all the verses that talk about the wicked and what will happen to them, who they are, and what God will do. And you look at all the passages, all the verses about the righteous and what God expects of them, what He's commanding them to do, what He's prohibiting them from doing in terms of their attitude and their actions. And then you say, here's what I'm supposed to do. Here are the commands and the prohibitions for me and for my life. This is how you and I are to rightly respond to God in light of these contrasts between the righteous and the wicked. And do you know what the capper on it all shall be? Look at the end of Psalm 37, verses 39 and 40. Here's the capper to it all. Here's the the ultimate end, the ultimate statement. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Isn't it true that as the world does go from bad to worse, we need a refuge now more than ever? Let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you for allowing us an ever brief amount of time to go through a very long psalm and yet to see so clearly that there is a clear line of delineation between the righteous and the wicked between the attitudes, the thought processes, and the end of both. They're so clear in their contrasts. And I suppose that's the case because you're wanting to mark out for us those who are believing and knowing that there is every reward for the righteous and every punishment for the wicked. And Father, I pray even for those in our fellowship who are not, in fact, seeing clearly what You're doing in our world. And I pray, Lord, that You would keep clear for us the response of those who are in the category of the righteous and that we should see what our commands and prohibitions are. They're so clear. We're told in no uncertain terms what to do and how to do it. And we also ought to be able to wait patiently for you because you are the one who will ultimately step in and you will bring the consequences upon the wicked of this world We give it into your hands. 
we respond in obedience and we stay away from evil and we trust you with the results. We ask that you would give us now in our prayer time an ability and a great joy in coming before you and praying these very words of Psalm 37 back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, come back over. We're praying. We're praying. This is, this is what we do on Sunday night. We pray together. So everybody, let's come up more to the front. Look, it's not even 6 o'clock. Yes, I got it. I got that note. So everybody just come and gather down here. All right? So everybody come. If you're not comfortable praying just out loud yourself, you don't have to. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. Nobody has the cooties. Come on. Everybody from the back, come on. If you're not comfortable praying, don't even have any reticence to do it. It's not a problem. Everybody look back on Psalm 37 when you get to your seat. Everybody come back. So, come on. <laughs>